and we're going to wrap up the I Will Rise series this morning. We've gone through the whole account of Lazarus this past eight weeks, and I hope you've been along for the whole ride, and I hope you uh, have gotten something out of it, and I hope you are rising above your conditions, your circumstances, your critics, and all the questions that you may have. As we begin, we're, we're going to enjoy today's service. We're going to have a great time in the Lord, and so as you turn to John chapter 11, verse number 23, John chapter number 11, beginning in the 23rd verse, the Bible says this, and Jesus said unto her, your brother will rise again, and Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And if you're here the last two weeks, answer this question. Say, yes, Lord. Lord. I I believe. Amen. As we rise above, a quick little recap of everything we've talked about. The very first Sunday we talked about this was Easter Sunday. And I want you to remember this sermon. We cannot continue to ask God to rise us above when we continue to question, does he love us? And I love the verse of scripture here in John chapter number 11, starting in verse number 5. And it says, Jesus loved Martha, and he loved her sister, and he loved Lazarus. So the love of God, even in this account, is not in question. If you're going to see yourself rise above and become all that God's called you to be, it's going to take you knowing that, as we sang a song this morning, oh, how he loves us. And it cannot be words to a song. It's going to have to be a heartfelt statement of faith that he loves me. Many of us, we struggle in this life because when things get hard, we begin to question the love of God. Well, if God really loves us, why does this happen? If God really loves us, why did that happen? The love of God cannot be in question as we continue to go throughout and wrap up this series. The next thing we began to talk about is verse number four, and it says, this sickness is not fatal, and it will not result in death. It will become an occasion for the glory of God. And now we talked about an instance, and we talked about an instance of something that happened happens very quickly, but it also is something that people witness. We realize God's not wanting to make an instance out of our lives. He's wanting to make an occasion out of our lives. An occasion is planned. An occasion is deliberate. An occasion has purpose. An occasion has process. An occasion has a such a dramatic impact that people don't just see it Their lives are affected by it. Amen? So how many lives are you affecting on the way to your occasion? Amen? I pray that you're affecting lives. I pray that you're changing lives. And I pray that God continues to use you mightily. But because of the very definition of an occasion, many of us have put our dreams and our desires that take time to come to pass. We begin to do what they did to Lazarus. We stick them in a tomb when we really should be giving them a pillow. We stick them in a tomb because we think because it hasn't came by on our time frame, it's never going to happen. And we have labeled it as death as a cadaver when God said it's not dead it's not fatal but it will result in an occasion for the glory of God so there's some of you this morning who need to take your dreams your visions and your desires your DVDs out of the tomb and put them on a pillow because God's got something great and mighty still planned for your life amen God's got something that's going to take place in your life that will affect the people around you. And then we talked about when you're on the journey, finding the purpose, finding a purpose on the journey instead of looking for the purpose of the journey. You'll never see the purpose of the journey when you're in the middle of the journey. You'll never see the purpose of it when you are stuck right in the middle of it. Once you get past it, you might can find the full purpose of it. But while you're in the journey, find a purpose on the journey. Find what you can do to bless somebody else. Listen, your misery doesn't make the occasion come quicker. Your misery and your bad attitude and your bad mood doesn't make the process speed up. So when you're on the journey, find a purpose in the journey that will bring joy, not to you, not just to you, but to somebody else. I've seen so many people when they're on a journey, they have a decision to make and they choose the decision of misery rather than the decision of finding a purpose in the midst of a trial. And when we begin to find purpose in the midst of a trial, God begins to use us mightily for his kingdom's sake. And then we talked about last week, we got to quit telling Jesus what he can't do. We got to quit telling Jesus how much we know. And we also got to quit 
telling Jesus what he forgot about. We saw three scriptures in the story where the disciples came to him and said, Jesus, you can't do that. Well, how are we going to tell the Son of God what he can and cannot do? And then we got another part of the story where Jesus says, comes up to Martha, and Martha says, I know, I know, you're the resurrection and the life. When we quit telling Jesus how much we know, it'll open us our ears up to listen to how much he knows. So when we quit telling Jesus how much we know about the situation, we'll listen to him and hear what he has to say about our situation. How many of y'all have asked Jesus about your situation recently? We start asking him, he'll begin to tell us great and mighty things. And then we also begin to tell Jesus, we tell him what he's forgot, we tell him what he can't, but then we also tell him exactly what I'm about to say, what he forgot about when Jesus, he's about to tell Lazarus to come out, and Martha comes to him and says, wait, do you not know there's going to be such a bad odor when we move the rock? And Jesus, I can just picture his face becoming very discouraged about this whole scenario because somebody told him he can't. How many of y'all get an attitude when somebody tells you you can't? Some of y'all are like, you can't do that. And you're like, oh, watch me. Husbands, you tell your wife, you can't do that. Oh, watch me. Same thing wives. Wives, you tell your husband something. Oh, watch me. Then we tell him what he can't do. We tell him how much we know. How many of y'all have ever been in the middle of somebody telling you a story and you're like, I know, I know. And then finally, we get to saying to the point where, Jesus, you actually forgot that there's going to be a bad odor? Well, if he's calling somebody out from the dead, don't you think he can deal with the smell too? So now where we're at this morning, we are at the main event. You know, we've been seven weeks in the process preparing for this. We've been seven weeks in the process getting to where we need to be. We've been seven weeks in the process getting to the point where we're about to see Lazarus come out of a tomb. Okay, now some of y'all aren't excited about getting to the occasion. This is like all the planning for your wedding. You're like, oh, it's the wedding day. Okay, since I figured that would be some of your reactions, I figured we would need some theme music for the main event. Now, if you are my age and older, there's going to be an immediate smile come on your face. All right, sound booth, hit me this song. Let me see if we get, see how many people know this. How many of y'all know this song? What's, what movie is it off of? See, I see everybody's countenance is changing. Everybody's like, oh, yeah. I can get into this. Keep it playing, man. I got to do every face smile. Some of y'all are like, this is a church. Don't get ready for an occasion. Amen? Get ready for an occasion. I mean, get up. Get excited if you're ready for an occasion. I mean, now you know this song. Now, some of y'all are thinking that is absolutely crazy to play in church. Now, let me ask you something. If you've ever been about to play a game, whether it's volleyball, football, basketball, baseball, every one of you has headphones in your ears, and you're getting in the zone. Man, you're getting ready to do whatever you're about to do. If you are a soccer player like I was, you had them headphones in, you had the world tuned out, you had your socks pulled up, you had your shin guards on, you had your shirt just tucked in kind of just right to kind of look cool, but you really weren't that cool. Come on, but you had your headphones in, you had your headband on, and your hair was kind of long, and, but you got amped up for the main event. You were there. Anybody who's about to run a race, you're getting amped up for the main event. See, the problem is with the body of Christ, we won't do what it takes to get set up for the main event. We won't prepare ourselves mentally to get set up for the main event. We won't get in the zone of the Holy Spirit to get set up for the main event. Jesus said this will not result in death. It will become an occasion for the glory of God. And we better get zoned in for a main event here at TWBC even this morning. Amen? Amen. Now, I know we came here this morning with the spirit of joy because we're ready to have a party. I am ready to eat, and I'm ready to eat a little bit more. And I know Andy Crouch is out there cooking some burgers. We got about 400 burgers and 300 hot dogs. So everybody, there's plenty of food for you to stay and eat. So we expect you to stay and eat. But if we're going to have a party, we better get our mind right and get focused on what God's calling us to do. 
And I'm not talking about just a church party where we're eating. I'm talking about there is a party God has lined up that's orchestrated by the power of the Holy Spirit that the church should get in on because it's going it to result in mass salvations. It's going to result in mass discipleship. It's going to result in a region coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we get in the zone, and I don't care if it takes eye of the tiger every Sunday morning to get in the zone, we as the body of Christ better get in the zone. To get in the zone, you got to realize three things, that he is the maker, the placer, and the taker of your occasion. He is the maker of your occasion. I want to read to you a verse of scripture. He is the maker of your occasion. Verse number four says, when Jesus got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal and it will not lead to death. It will become an occasion for the glory of God by glorifying God's son. And then verse number 40, it said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Jesus is the maker of your occasion. I'm not sure what you're going through right now in your life. I know some of you are at a great place in your life. I know some of you are probably in a not so great place in your life. I know everybody looks really good this morning, but I know deep down on the inside, some of us are at a place where you're saying, God, I need an occasion to take place. Well, I'm gonna ask you to get in the zone because when you get in the zone, the maker of your occasion begins to prepare it and has it ready for you. He's waiting for you to get ready to show up. You got to begin to show up and you got to be ready to show up for the occasion. Problem with all the people who are gathered around, none of them were ready for the occasion. Jesus told them countless times, if you believe, and we said this even last week and this week, yes, Lord, I believe. And so if you really say, yes, Lord, I believe, that means you are ready for God to have an occasion in your life. God wants to have an occasion with some of you here this morning. God wants to set some of you free from anxiety, depression this morning. God wants to set some of you free from, a heal, from, from an illness that you've had forever. He wants to heal your body this morning. God wants to set some of your marriages on a crash course with him rather than a crash course to the divorce court. He wants you to have an occasion. But the problem is we didn't come in ready for the occasion. We came in ready to have a party, to go out and eat hamburgers, to do all the fun stuff, but we didn't come in ready for an occasion. He's the maker of your occasion. He wants to see it come to pass. And if he's the maker of your occasion, then he's also the placer of your occasion. If God made it and he knew where the end result's gonna be, he also placed it there. But the problem is, many of us don't like the path that it took for us to get to our occasion. He's the placer of your occasion. In verse number seven, it says, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And now here's the big controversy. If he went back to Judea, he was about to die. How does this relate to your life? Listen to this. Even though it may not seem like the path you would take to get to your occasion, if it's the path that Jesus is on, you better be on that path. If it wasn't the path that you would have chosen to get you to your occasion, if it is the path that Jesus is on, you better get on his path. See, there's a lot of different things that I would have done different on the way to my occasion. There's a lot of things I would have changed up a little bit, but if it wasn't the path that Jesus was on, I wasn't gonna go down it because his infinite wisdom is greater than my worldly knowledge. And the problem is we are depending on our worldly knowledge, the I know Jesus, rather than his infinite wisdom. And when you're on an occasion, the purpose of an occasion is to affect all the people around you. The purpose of an occasion is not for just me to get to my miracle, but it's to see if I can touch Amy and Colton and Sharon and Mitch and everybody else along the way. On the way to the occasion, he's got a path marked out for you so you don't just get your miracle, but you may be somebody's miracle. When have you ever been somebody's miracle? Well, it's time that we start.
It's time that we get in on it. You know, the best thing I've ever done in my life was stop and listen to the Holy Spirit at a grocery store. Smartest thing I've ever done was stop and listen to the Holy Spirit at the grocery store. Because I would stop and God would say, pray with her, and I'd be saying, no, Jesus, that's not the path I want to go. But if it's the path Jesus is on, I better get on that path. And so I would stop and I would go get on Jesus' path and I would go pray with this person. And I pray with this person and I didn't think nothing happened. Ended up changing their life. They ended up coming back to me, finding me a year or so later saying, listen, you don't remember me, but the time you prayed for me here, it changed my life. It changed my life. See, if he's the maker of your occasion, if he's the one who made it and he knows it's going to bring it to pass because he already said it will not result in death, this will be an occasion for the glory of God. He made it. He also placed it. He placed it in a place where you're not just going to get your miracle, but other people are going to get theirs along the way. Other people are going to get touched by you along the way. Other people are going to get blessed by you along the way. That is why it is so important along the way for you to find a purpose on the journey because that purpose is the miracle somebody else has been praying for. And if I believe this with all my heart, if I get enough people in their life to where they're called to be, God will get me to where I'm called to be. And so my whole focus is me not getting where I'm supposed to be. It's getting as many people as possible to where they're called to be. It's getting as many people as possible into the perfect will of God so that means God can put me in his perfect will. It's setting as many people up as possible to get to a place where their blessing is so I can get to where my blessing is. Because if you haven't noticed, the body of Christ lives on this earth. And God in that setting up has planned to bless the world with the body of Christ that's here on this earth. God has planned to change the world with the body of Christ that's here on this earth. And how is he going to do that? He's going to do that because you're on the pathway to your occasion. And on that pathway, you found a purpose. And with the purpose comes the promise. And with the promise comes the manifestation, the occasion, the main event. In your life, on that path, on the way to the occasion, whatever path Jesus is taking, I suggest you take that path. Even if it seems the long way around. Even if you can see a shortcut, Jesus, it'd be a lot quicker to go right through here. Jesus, I see a clear and straight path right through here. But Jesus says, no, we're going to go this way. See, whatever path Jesus is on, I suggest we stay on that path because the Bible talks about him being the great shepherd, the good shepherd. He leads us and guides us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And if he brings us through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for he's with me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My cup overfloweth. Why? Because I'm with the shepherd. See, it's when we get on our path and get off his path that we find ourselves ending up in a big problem and we miss the occasion. We miss the circumstance. We miss the instance. Or we miss the instantaneous things God wants us to achieve. Now, if he's the maker of your occasion, if he's the placer of your occasion, he's also the taker of your occasion. Now, don't stop. Stop with me right here. Some of y'all are getting bad doctrine just running through your head. Well, God giveth and God taketh away. Get that junk out of your head. Now, now listen to me on this. Get that junk out of your head. I'm going to tell you, if God is taking, if he's the taker of your occasion, he's taking you to it not taking it away from you. He's taking you to it, not leaving you out to dry. The problem with many people is, is you start walking behind Jesus in fear, not in faith. Job said all the stuff he did living in fear and lack of faith, he even gave his sacrifices out of fear. God, I fear if I don't do these sacrifices, my kids will die. We are not a people who live by fear. We are a people born again, the body of Christ that live by faith and not by sight. We are the people who follow Jesus come hell or high water. We are the people who love Jesus we're the people who believe in Jesus. And listen, if you're believing Jesus to truly be your Lord and Savior, and he's taking you from this earth to an eternal heaven rather than an eternal hell, it should be a lot easier for us to follow him on the pathway around this earth. 
The biggest stretch of faith that you've ever taken was believing that a man lived perfect on this earth and is going to take you to heaven with him one day. Well, if you're believing that, it's not hard to believe him to raise somebody from the dead. If you're believing that, it's not hard to believe him for a healing. If you're believing that, it's not hard to believe him to set you free. If he's the maker and the placer, he's also the taker. He's going to take you to your destiny. He's going to take you to the occasion that God has lined out for your life. He's going to take you there. The problem is this. On the way to our occasion, you're always believing for something. Mary and Martha were believing for their brother Lazarus to be raised from the dead. Some people are believing for a healing. Some people are believing for this and that. The biggest issue we face is we must continue to believe in him and not the thing we're wanting to come to pass. We we struggle with in the body of Christ more than anything is not a lack of faith, it's misplaced faith. See Mark 11, 23 says, have faith in God. Then you can say to the mountain, yeah, 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 you can go down that scripture all day long. The problem is many people say, oh yes, I believe in healing. I don't, I believe in a God who still heals. Well, pastor, that's just, that's just ticky-tack semantics. You ain't got your healing yet, have you? It ain't too ticky-tack then. See, my faith must remain in a God who can provide, not in the provision that he's given. My faith must remain in the supplier, not the supply that he's given. My faith must be remain in the restorer, not the restoration process. See, the issue we struggle with most in the body of Christ is simply misplaced faith. We started, I start believing in finances. Well, what are you believing in finances for? I believe in a God who can supply financially. And we as a church, we must get our mind off the things of this earth and put them back on Jesus Christ, the author, the finisher, and the perfecter of our faith. And let him perfect your faith. Let him bring you to a place where you can walk it out. Listen, he said he's not leaving you. He said he's not forsaking you. So if you feel in a lonely place today, that means he's still there and he's wanting you to exercise your faith in him. Jesus, I trust you even though I may not feel you like I used to feel you. See, God's trying to get you past a feeling and get you in touch with him. See, what we struggle with in the body of Christ is if God's gonna take me to my destiny, you're gonna have to walk with him. You're gonna have to follow him. You're gonna have to watch him. And that means you're gonna have to get your eyes off what you're believing for and get them on the one who you believe in. Get your eyes off the things that are on this earth that are trying, you're trying to intake and start putting them on the, thi- the, the one God who can bring you there to the place where he can take care of you. In the body of Christ, if he's the maker, the placer, and the taker of your occasion, of your destiny, of where he's bringing you to be, it's time that we truly put our eyes on the one who can take us there. When we begin to put our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of our faith, the things of the body of Christ will come to pass. The dreams and vision of TWBC will come to pass. I pray that when we are shining brighter and shining farther, we don't get focused on our own light and how great we're doing as a church and take our eyes off the one who is the source of light. When we start believing in the one who's gonna take us there, then we'll be able to accomplish everything when we get there. Now we're to the main event. He's the maker, the placer, and the taker. You're at your occasion. Let's read what the Bible says in verse number 43. It says, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. Everybody say, Lazarus, Lazarus. come out. And then the man who died came out. His hands and feet were bound with linen strips, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Now we love to stop this story at Lazarus, come out. We love to stop it at Lazarus, come out, and he comes out. But you notice how he came out. He came out all bound up. He came out with a form of life, but he couldn't really live while he was still bound. See, a lot of you got born again, but you're still so bound up by the things that you had before you were born again 
You're really not living as a Christian. You're existing as a believer. See, a lot of us, we love to end the story with Lazarus, come out. Those weren't the last words Jesus said. The last words Jesus said were unbind him and let him go. Unbind him, set him free. Some of you in your life this morning, you need to be unbound and set free. You're born again, you love Jesus, that's not the question. But many of us, we're so bound up by the things of the world that we don't live in freedom. In fact, some of y'all are thinking it'd be better if we weren't saved because then we could act however we wanted to. You're living in bondage. You're living in bondage. Jesus didn't save you and bring you to the occasion to not have you set free when you get there. He wants you set free when you get there so you can enjoy the occasion. See, I find this happens a lot of times when people get married. Before you were married, you never had marriage problems. I mean, seriously, before you were married, you never had marriage problems. And you've been praying, oh, Lord Jesus, I want to get married. Oh, Lord Jesus, bring me that special someone. Oh, Lord Jesus, I know you got him or her out there. Oh, Lord Jesus, bring him my way. And the next month you're in my office, I got marriage problems. And a lot of people say, oh, Lord Jesus, supply for me financially. Oh, Lord Jesus, bring this to pass. See, a lot of us, we don't have money problems. We got lack of money problems. Majority of the people in the world do not have money problems. You got to have money to have money problems. You got a lack of money problem. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, wow, that's deep. And that's not deep. That's common sense. You got a lack of money problem, not a money problem. And you don't really understand what money problems are until you got money. Some of you, you never had kid problems till you had kids. Before you had kids, you were like, oh, Lord Jesus, give us babies. We want babies. We love you. It's a promise. You said, be fruitful and multiply. It's a blessing from the Lord. And and I'm standing in faith and agreeing with Scripture. It's a blessing from the Lord. We never had kid problems till we had kids. So what's the issue? You're not happy before you had them, and now you're not happy after you had them. You're not happy before you got married, and now you're married. You're really not happy because you're married. You're not happy when you didn't have money because all you thought the answer was was money, but now that you got money, you got all these other kind of problems because all your family wants some of it. So if you're not happy before and the occasion happens and you're not happy after, what is the problem? The problem is you're still bound up with the things of before that you carried into the things after. I'm going to encourage everybody who's single in here this morning, get as much stuff right in your life before you get married. It'll make it that much easier after you're married. I'm going to encourage everybody this morning who has a lack of money problems, start living in stewardship before you got money so when you have money, you can be good stewards after you have money. And it's amazing how when you start living in stewardship, when you don't have much to steward, how you can be blessed with a bunch to steward. And listen, if you have kids and your life wasn't good before you had kids, kids ain't going to make them any better. It's literally going to compound the issue. Issues. What is the answer to enjoying your occasion? The answer to enjoying your occasion is this. Start fixing what you can fix now in your life. Some of you, if you would start fixing the control freak in you now, when the occasion happened, you can enjoy the occasion. See, I wonder what the rest of the dialogue of the story was. Martha, the control freak, after Lazarus came hopping out from the dead and they began to unwrap him, did she get mad because they were unwrapping his bandages the wrong way? And because Mary didn't have her emotional state fixed, I wonder what her reaction would have been. She was crying when he was dead. Now she's crying when he's alive. I mean, how many napkins, how many Kleenex are you going to go through? 
See, if we don't start getting these things in check now, the occasion will come. The main event is going to take place. God will be faithful to his word. But the problem is, if you don't fix the problems before the main event, before the occasion, you're going to carry the same issues after the occasion. And you're going to ruin the best part of the occasion because you're taking the junk from the past into the future. You're taking the junk from your high school life into your married life. You're taking the junk from your broke life into your unbroke life. You're taking the junk from your kidless life into your kid's life. One thing I started praying when me and Sherry were believing God for kids was this. God, start fixing me so anything that's wrong with me, my kids don't inherit it. I don't want my kids to inherit the junk that I have. Listen, God said, you need to start working on a myriad of things. I'm like, oh, like what? And I said, and this is what I said. I know, I know, this, this, this. And he's like, quit telling me what you know. Because this, 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 and this, the root cause is this, and you hadn't even identified it yet. God wants to set people free this morning. The crux of this whole message is this. What are you bound up with this morning? Your occasion is about to take place. I believe with all my heart this week, God's going to make occasions happen in a lot of your life. But before the occasion happens, God wants you to get enough stuff right on this side of the occasion so you can enjoy it on this side of the occasion. God wants to set you free over here so when this happens, this big breakthrough, whatever you're praying about, takes place, you can actually enjoy it over here in your life. What are you bound by? What are you struggling with? See, I find a lot of people are bound with this. You're either bound with the control freak or you're bound with the emotional basket case. Some of you are bound with, you put your dreams in a, in a, in a cave and you got to pull them back out and get healing from your broken heart because all you did was you stick it in a cave was you built a wall. You didn't get healing, you built a wall and you repressed your emotions. You're the control freak because you're in control of your emotions. Some of you are going to pull it back out and start crying everywhere. But either way, pull it back out. Bring your dreams back to the forefront of your life. Your circumstances circumstances are this. They're things that you did not plan on, that you do not, you're not responsible for. But because we live in a fallen, broken, sinful, dead, dying world, bad things happen to good people. I'm sorry. That's just the truth. Bad things happen to good people. But God promises this. If you are called according to his purpose, he's going to make all things work together for good. So your bad circumstance that you're stuck in right now, God says, if you'll start fixing the issues of you, I can start making the occasion happen, and I can make all this junk that you've gone through come out to be something amazing on the other side. And in fact, I can even use that junk. I'm so good because I'm God is what he says. I can use that junk and make it a masterpiece. And your problem pass can be the promise for somebody else. They can look at your life and flat out see God still moves in this world. Listen to me. Some of you are bound by your conditions. Conditions are things that you've made bad choices in life. I've made plenty of them. Hey, God's still a forgiving God. But when he forgives, he wants you to make the decision that we're not going back into the junk. Some of you did so good five or six years ago and you paid off all your credit card debt. Now you're back just as much credit card debt as you were in. Amen. Your conditions, they're not changing. So you got to start changing where you're at. So when the occasion comes, you can enjoy it afterwards. Your questions. Some of the biggest thing that binds some of you are you simply got questions. You got questions, he's got answers. He's an infinite God. Infinite in wisdom, infinite in knowledge, infinite in understanding. He understands exactly where you are. The Bible says that he was touched with the feeling of our infirmity. So if you're a feeling type person, all you can do is tell God how you feel. He understands your feelings. So tell him how you feel. But you better be open for a response. You better be open to listen to him. 
your critics. Some of you got critics in life. It doesn't seem that you can do anything right. I have more people come to me, well, I just can't ever please my mother-in-law, or I can't ever please my father-in-law, or I can't ever please this person, or I can't ever please that person. You're not in the business of pleasing people. You're in the business of pleasing God. And you stay focused on your journey. You stay focused on the path to your occasion, and God will take care of the critics. Did you notice at the end of the story, all the critics, you didn't hear one word from them. In fact, you didn't hear one word from anybody. Jesus said, unbind him, let him go. And I bet there was dead silence because the circumstances had changed, the conditions had changed, the questions had changed, and now the critics had changed. What are you going to let God do in your life this morning? Don't take the junk of your past that you're bound by into the blessing of the present and the future that God's leading you into.